So Dave, <laughs> Dave, I've got to stop getting into Twitter conversations. I've, I've got, I've got to stop myself. It's, I've done so good for so long, and this, this past week, I just blew it. And I fell down the rabbit hole. Well, now, do you mean conversations or arguments? Arguments, arguments, oh. conversations are one thing, but I, I I've got to stop engaging when somebody disagrees with me. I've got, I've got to be able. I did so good. I did so good for so long, and then I just snapped. I, I made a comment on Twitter where uh, I basically my point was that if you use an ampersand in a word balloon, you know that that character that kind of looks like a figure eight. Sure. If you use an ampersand in a word balloon, you'd better have a good reason, like the name of a company. Or a gun to your head. And because I'd seen it somewhere, you know, I, and I'm like, you lazy sot. All you did, you, you ran out of room. You figured instead of writing out and, you'd use an ampersand. And, and, and it's one thing if it's a company name, like, you know, uh, Doodles and Malloy Incorporated. That's I want to know thing. what Doodles and Malloy make. What does Doodles and Malloy do? That's my favorite bookstore. <laughs> I, you know, that just came top of mind. I don't know. I should look it up. Maybe it exists. Doodles and Malloy sounds like a kid show where Doodles is a, a cartoon character that comes to life, and Malloy is just a hard-drinking Irishman that like cusses at Doodles all day. See, I had it just the opposite. I had Malloy was like the long-suffering uh, uh, female foil for Doodles, who's always getting into trouble, and she looks at him and says, "Ah." Oh, doodles <laughs> but I got into this kind of I, I, I put that out there because I'm like really we shouldn't use an ampersand because it's expedient it breaks up the flow of the type and, and, and it's just it makes it it's a stumbling block over reading and I'm really really obsessed over trying to make my stuff as readable as possible I don't know how successful I am but I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed over it and a couple people kind of says, well, you know, sometimes you can do this, sometimes you can do that. And I was, I was, you know, uh, you know, Mr. Hey, everybody do your thing. That's cool. But it, you know, my aesthetic is my aesthetic and it doesn't have to be yours. And this one guy started really pushing back and, and saying, you know, well, that's, it, it, it's, it's perfectly okay. And, and, uh, and somehow this guy segued into using numbers. And of course, as you heard on this show, I hate using numbers in a word balloon because a number like 15 can look like a word like is and and so I'm hard line and I'm and and that was a bridge too far and I'm like nah you know what you really shouldn't use a number in a word balloon you really really shouldn't all, all of that you know even handed talk about my personal aesthetic went right out the window and then ba 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 boom right down the rabbit hole I go with this guy and he's like oh no no that that's okay you know I I and I'm like no it's really not and, and because it reads like a word. And he says, wow, no, it doesn't. And I pulled him up one of those things. You can find it if you Google it. But it's an entire paragraph written with letters and numbers. And you read it perfectly clearly. You read the whole thing and half of it's numbers. But your brain translates it. We used to call that lead speak in the early aughts. Yeah, 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 Remember? lead speak. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, so here I am. <laughs> And I'm like, boom, there you go. And I'm like, ah, oh, well, there you go, Brad. Took care of that guy. And he comes back and 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 he, well, I submit that. Uh, it's a, if you've got a problem like that, it's your font, not the fact that you're using numbers. And I'm like, no, I submit, you're wrong. And I start well, getting Well, the, the in big problem in that forth. argument is that he led with, I submit. Oh, 
Oh, boy. Boy, oh, boy. <laughs> what is he, an 18th century barrister in England? You, you My lord, I submit that the juror should be removed <laughs> from the courtroom. <laughs> you want to get? You want to see my face turn blue? You 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 either start a tweet to me with "I submit" or just FYI. Somehow, just FYI gets under my skin like nobody's business. But uh, but uh, but I go down the rabbit hole with, and and we're going back and forth. And I'm like, I I'm spending too much time on this fucking throwaway tweet. So I go over and I look at this person's comic, and oh my god, it's illegible his lettering is absolutely illegible and i and, and my jaw drops and i'm like oh my god i've been i've been having a discussion about the aesthetics of lettering with somebody who can't do the basics of let this was this was beyond i mean i've seen some bad letter this was beyond bad lettering it was really really illegible Brad has discovered the nature of the internet <laughs> oh, my and but there was nothing stopping him from sharing his opinion on, 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 <laughs> on this Twitter thread. Nothing stopping him at all. But I went to read it because I'm like, okay, well, maybe maybe there's something about what he's doing that I can learn from. Holy moly. Yeah, now, maybe, I, maybe I need to open my mind. Maybe this person will teach me a little something. Nope, nope, nope. Bail out. What I learned is don't engage with people. I've, I got, I'm telling you, one, one-way communication. That's I did that on my blog years ago. It was the smartest thing I ever did. Turned off comments one way if, if, if it's a pleasant conversation that's fine on twitter but man i gotta remind myself dave one way conversations well i know that we have not yet technically started the show but I, this actually raises a question if you only do if you only respond to compliments on twitter does that look weird when you go radio silent when someone has a criticism <laughs> I don't I don't care what it looks like. You're assuming somebody's looking. There's the problem. The only way somebody's going to look is if I engage it and give it that amplification. If 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 somebody says something uh that I don't agree with and I ignore it, it settles to the bottom of the tank quicker than anybody can see. But if I start engaging back and forth, now that Twitter is getting engagement and it's it's being propagated more, I'm I'm adding to the problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. Well, uh, I, what's funny is when you were telling that story, by the way, I thought you were going to say, so I went to a site. Turns out his name is John Ampersand. He's the son of the guy that invented Ampersand. <laughs> Sir, when my father in 1910 invented the Ampersand, I'll have you know he worked his ass off to get that onto every standard American keyboard. Oh, there's there's actually a story. I'm, I'm not going to do it justice because I haven't reviewed it, uh, and I'll get the details wrong, but the, go and look up the, the, the etymology of an ampersand. It actually stands for and per se and, I think. <laughs> but the, 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 the way it came in, it, it actually stands for an E-T in Latin, et. But oh. it's really interesting what the etymology is. I will go look that up. But before I do that, I'm going to say hi, everybody, and welcome to Comic Lab, the show about etymology and making comics. And etymology and making a living from comics. I'm Brad Geiger, editor of webcomics.com and cartoonist of Evil Inc. And I'm his friend Dave Kellett, cartoonist of Drive and Sheldon and co-director of Stripped. And this week's Hour of Comics Advice is made possible by your support at patreon.com slash comic lab. And Bradley J., who is that third delightful voice I hear in the background? Oh, man, I am so excited about this because this is somebody that we wanted to have on the show for a long time. And it doesn't hurt that she's one of my favorite people in the whole entire world. Uh, we are joined today by the wonderful Alex Heberling. 
store, you guys. <laughs> you can check out now. Listen, Alex is a, is a has been doing this for a, for an awful long time. So if you want to get into all things Alex, you got some reading ahead of you. But the best place to go is alexheberling.com, and that's A L E X, just like it sounds. Heberling is H E B E R L I N G, and there you can jump to her wonderful comic called The Hughes post-apocalyptic magical girls, uh, as well as some of her older projects like Alex's Guide to a Well-Lived Life, uh, Garanos, The Shepherd, Corner on Main, tons of good stuff. And and I'm telling you, tons of really solid art, compelling writing. You're going to really enjoy this. And if you haven't gotten enough yet, uh, she also is the colorist of Evil Ink, so she she makes me look good every week. <laughs> And Alex, where are you hailing from today? I always like to know physically where somebody is geographically. Uh, at the moment, I'm in Toledo, Ohio. Toledo, Ohio? Yep, Home that's of, where I'm uh, from. What's his name from MASH? What, uh, what's his name? Jamie oh, Farr. Jamie Farr. Clinger. Clinger. There we go. Wow. Yep. We love our Jamie Farr. Isn't that, isn't that amazing that 40 years on, people are still like, ah, Clinger. <laughs> that's like one of Toledo's five claims to fame. So we milk that for all it's <laughs> the worth. Other, the other two is a, 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 pat, a pig fat rendering plant. <laughs> Uh, a paper mill. <laughs> and what are the other two? I forget. <laughs> Glass and Tony Pacos. <laughs> what was the name of the minor league team that? Uh... Oh, the Mud Hens. Oh, the, the Mud, mud Hens. Hens. Mud Hens. I joke about the pig fat rendering because when I lived in South Bend, there was a paper rendering plant uh, down the down the street. And when the wind shifted and that thing blew towards South Bend, good God, it smelled like the apocalypse oh, was upon you. Yeah, there was there was a cardboard manufacturing place down in Conshohocken, Ohio, where Carolyn got Conshohocken? a... Conshohocken? That's an amazing name. <laughs> That's really pretty in a way. It was... Uh, it, it, Carolyn got a job interview down there. That sounds like it's around Akron, Cleveland. <laughs> and we... Uh, we we, we, we're, we're going down there for a job interview and she she gets out of the job interview, comes out to the car and immediately hurls in the parking lot because the smell was so bad. It just like you said, the wind shifted and it came down wind from the factory and it was a foul smell. Yeah, I guess the kids at home are like, Dad's home from the plant. He hasn't pulled up from the driveway yet. He'll be here in a second. I can smell him coming. <laughs> Now, listen, Alex, we're, we're, I, I've mentioned that among your many skills, you are a fantastic uh, and and deft uh, colorist. Yeah. And I, the thing I got to kind of tell you about is uh, you're going to have to take it easy when you're talking about color uh, because Dave over there is colorblind. So you got to make oh, yeah, you got to keep right. your words really simple if you're going to talk about color. <laughs> keep your words simple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to you you like explain it like you're color, like to a five year like like just use like red green. If you start saying chartreuse and mauve, he's gonna he's gonna overheat. Oh, wait till we start talking <laughs> about musicals. I like though the idea that like Alex, his English no good. <laughs> use small words. He colorblind. <laughs> He not understand wavelengths. <laughs> Me simple caveman from past. Me no understand Photoshop color picker. Um, it is true though, Brad. You know, I was going to be uh, uh, like aggrieved when you first said you've got to be careful in your word choice, but you did say chartreuse, and I actually have no idea what chartreuse is. <laughs> it's a shade of yellow green. Yep, that's what I was going to say. Shade of yellow green. So, uh, so yes. Um, so let me ask you this because uh, when did you first find that you had the bug for cartooning it's fun to start there was it was it grade school was it high school 
Oh gosh, probably probably like junior high school. And was it like comics for you and your friends, or did were you secretly hiding them away and didn't tell anybody? It was anime. Oh, it was anime. Really? <laughs> yes, it was Sailor Moon to be specific. Oh wow, yeah, I can totally see that influence in your work. Back in '98, uh, that started airing on Cartoon Network, and that was when I started uh, junior high. If you could travel back in time to the first time you saw Sailor Moon, did your eyes get really, really wide when you first saw that intro, and you're like, "What is the? I want to watch this." <laughs> Actually, I I didn't see it until the first commercial break because I was watching pop up video on DH1. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Yes. Remember that, Joe? Wow, all three of us just aged ourselves right there. That was great. <laughs> I remember it well. <laughs> it was on a commercial, and so I flipped over to Cartoon Network to see what was on, and it was Sailor Moon. I'm like, what? What's this? Ooh, it's like it's like Girl Power Rangers. There's more than one girl. It's amazing. Oh my god, and space shit. It's like a trap was set just for me. So essentially then you you got your start, and this is probably true with all three of us, now that I'm saying this out loud, um, with fan art then, yeah? With fan stories about pre-existing titles? Oh yeah, definitely. And then when did you when did you make the transition to start creating comics on your own? On my own? I... Not, not on your own, you know what I mean? Like um, your own stories, stories that like, you own. Right, right, right. Um, well, the Hughes is a lot, lot older than the current um, comic incarnation is. And I actually initially created the Hughes back in junior high. <laughs> so I've got like, you know, I've known these characters for basically 20 years. Wow. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And for a long time, I didn't know if I was going to do anything with it. And then about five years ago, I was like, screw it. I'm going to do it. It's going to be fun. Well, fantastic. Well, listen, Alex, since you're here, we've got a few questions from our $5 Patreon backers. And uh, since you've got a deep, deep history in webcomics, we'd like to hear uh, your uh, encouragement along with ours on some of these questions. What do you think? Okay. All right. I said encouragement because (laughs) the first question is about discouragement. (laughs) The first question will make us want to put our head into a a mud bucket. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Here's the question. What helps you most to deal with discouragement, specifically the feeling that people don't really care about what you're creating? I realize that creating and getting good at webcomics is a long game and I'm willing to put in the time and effort it requires. See, these, these, these question askers, they know what we're going to say, so they try to circumvent us. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. It's a long, it's a marathon, not a sprint. But really, I want you to answer my question. Uh, but he goes on to say, but sometimes it's just a little hard to pour so much of myself into a project and then get nothing back but the sound of crickets. Any tips for staying motivated while I'm working uh, on something and gradually getting better? And I ask you, Alex Heberling, what would you say to this cartoonist? I'm going to say that silence might last a lot longer than you might think. So you need to get like support and encouragement from like your peers. Oh, that's a great, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've still got a relatively small following. I've got like maybe a dozen or so like regular people that interact with me, but for the most part, the rest of my audience doesn't engage very much. Um, That could be for many reasons, but uh, whatever. Um, So yeah, you you can't always uh, depend on the adulation of the masses to, uh, to get you through those tough times. And for you, the support in your personal life, either peer group or family or friends, um, 
what what does that mean to you? Do you run them by them before they go public or do you check in every couple of months or a couple of weeks and say like, hey, how's it going? Or, or what does it mean to you to have that peer group or family support? Um, usually just kind of checking in every few months. I've been doing this so long that, you know, the the silence doesn't bother me. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, I think silence silence is a great way to describe what you'll feel in those growing years and sometimes even in the established years um, where <laughs> because it's like having done some stand up comedy and some improv. It's interesting how you can literally read a room, you know, when you're failing because it goes silent or there's awkward coughs or, you know, that kind of thing. And you know mm-hmm. when you're hitting because you're getting a laugh or people are leaning forward or it gets a different kind of silence where people are hushing their breathing, you know, because they're listening so closely. And the problem with working yeah. online is you get none of those interpersonal human to human signals that lets you know, I'm yes, listening, yes. I'm quiet, but I am listening. And you oh, you yeah. just have to have certain truth, uh, a certain faith that um, that even in those silent moments, people are reading, they are taking it in, and your audience hopefully is growing. Uh, Brad, what do you think? Well, there's there's a couple of things a couple of things that's worth talking about there, but but the first one is uh, just verifying what you two have said. So it, it, we we look at some people that have a certain type of audience that's very vociferous and very actively engaged, and uh, and and we tend to measure ourselves against them. And I'll second what what Alex said. My audience has always been there. They've always been somewhat supportive, depending on what I was putting out. Uh, but they, my, my audience has never been particularly loud. They've never been particularly engaged to the point where like they wanted to discuss the comic on the, on my blog or on social media or something like that. They, they really were never interested in that so much. But when a book came out, when it was time to kickstart the book, they were there. And so I think sometimes I would say not to get too upset if you're not getting that kind of response, because it might just be that you've got a quiet audience, but but an audience nonetheless. Now, the second point is, of course, if you're getting zero page views and you've got very little traction on social media, that's telling you that it's not a quiet, quiet audience. It's a it's a non-existent audience, and and that's that's a bigger problem. That's that's telling you that what you're doing just isn't hitting, and and then you've got another decision to make whether you whether you and and I'm telling you, there are two perfectly valid choices. One is I'm going to keep working at this and getting better, and the other is maybe I'm going to try something else and see what the reaction is to that. It, it doesn't mean that you've been defeated. It means that you'll take whatever you learned doing comics into the next thing that you do and apply it. And and that was a worthwhile right. exercise. So I, I hate to see people banging their head against the wall when it's like, nah, you know what? You're just this isn't the thing for you. They, you, you, you should take this what you learned onto something else. Uh, but I can't tell you that you've got to come to that conclusion, wh- whether this is something you want to stick with or whether it's something you want to apply to the next right, thing. Right, right, right. Well, I guess the, the looking at it from bird's eye view, too, we should also just acknowledge that all three of us and frankly, every cartoonist that I know has at some point felt discouragement. So you are not alone in this feeling. Mm-hmm. Um 
it's not it's not unique to you or even to your level of success or growing. I have had moments in my career where everything uh, seemingly seems like if if an outsider were to come in, they'd be like, wow, everything's hitting for Dave. And yet I still oddly feel discouragement. And sometimes that's just because as a cartoonist, you only feel as good as your last cartoon. And so if you had a cartoon that blew up two weeks ago on Reddit and all your friends were like, wow, that one was amazing. And all your readers are like, wow, that's amazing. And it brought in a bunch of new people. But the one that you produced yesterday or the one that's currently on your drawing table isn't firing for you then you kind of only feel as good as that comic. And so that can, you even in success is what I'm saying is that you can feel moments of like, oh, this isn't working and no one cares and I'm fooling myself and all that sort of stuff. So that can happen no matter where you are. But as far as feeling encouragement, one of the things that Brad always touchstones on is that if the joy is there, um, in a way, it doesn't matter. Uh, and here's what I mean by that. Um, if, if you are still enjoying the act of cartooning and you continue to produce, then you just by nature of doing it, you are going to be getting better and better. But if you're feeling discouraged and the act of cartooning no longer brings you joy, then to Brad's point, maybe it's time to find a different venue, a different path, a different journey for you artistically. Um, But if you're feeling discouragement, but the art of cartooning is still bringing you joy, I think there's a lot of hope there. Wouldn't you both say? No, I think so. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, that's the basic reason why we became cartoonists is that the act of drawing and telling these stories um, brings us joy. So if you still have that, then you're still on the journey towards becoming the cartoonist you want to be and towards the cartoonist your readers would like you to be. Oh, gosh, you're so right. And and not only that, what, something you said just resonated with me, Dave, is, is, and that is you're only as good as your last comic or your last update. <laughs> so often, I'm telling you, so often I've posted something that I thought was brilliant, that I just loved for any number of reasons. Maybe the, the expression on somebody's face came out extra right. good, or uh, there was a little bit of wordplay there that I really thought just just hung just right. And, and I will post it, and I'll get an immediate response. And in that moment, I, I fall for it every time. <laughs> every time, I'm like, oh, they know that I'm as great as I am. And every time... It's pointing out a freaking typographical <laughs> error or a misspelling. <laughs> Every last time it's a misspelling. I, and I, I, it, I, try it's my, to, I try to point those out when I catch them. <laughs> oh, I, and, and I love you. I, I, I say this with, with no uh, bit of uh, like shade. I love you when you do that. I really, because I'd rather that than. It goes up and then 20 minutes later. Yeah, yeah. And, and well, number one, I never, I, I, and I also appreciate it when, when one of my Patreon backers points it out, don't get it, don't get me wrong, but I'm, uh, the, the disappointment I feel in myself is always just crushing because it, it's my, it's of my many faults. It's definitely one of the biggest. I, I, I for some, I can spell, I, my fingers just don't hit the right buttons. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what it, I do. I'm constantly hitting the wrong buttons. <laughs> Officer, the problem was not me. It was my fingers. Um, <laughs> So uh, let me ask you about the last, I want to focus on this last part of this question, because I think this is the most helpful thing we can give to this questioner. Um, And I will direct it towards Alex first. So Alex, the the last part of the question is any tips for staying motivated while I'm working on gradually getting better? How do you keep motivated? How do you stay motivated? How do you look for motivation? 
Um, spite. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's a good one. <laughs> I don't know. I just kind of like, I am going to do this and I'm going to make it work. Yeah. And that's just kind of the philosophy I've had for 13 years. Yeah. That could, that, listen, that could absolutely power you through it. Uh, absolutely. Brad, how about you? Oh, I've, I've got it. Well, just recently, see my younger son and I always had a Friday uh, tradition. If we made it through the week, getting to school on time, Friday, we'd stop at Dunkin' Donuts and treat ourselves to donuts for breakfast. And, uh, which I look forward to as much as he did. <laughs> I was say, well, that sounds like a trip for dad. That's what that sounds like. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> right. Well, now I, uh, I he's going to a different school, and it, it, because of logistics and everything else, it's just not easy for us to do it anymore. It used to be right on our way. And uh, he was kind of waxing nostalgic. Oh, I really miss our uh, going to Dunkin' Donuts together. And I said, well, listen, you could, except you're going to have to get up earlier in the morning because we have to do this, that, and the next. And then we could do it, but you'd have to get up early. And I said, frankly, it's been so hard getting you out of bed lately that it's never going to happen. You might as well just forget about it because you're impossible to get out of bed. And next morning was Friday morning and he wakes up, I wake up, stumble out to the bathroom. He's out in the hallway, fully dressed. And he says, oh, good morning. I said, how long have you been up? He said, 530. <laughs> it was seven o'clock in the morning. He had been up for an hour and a half. But but I, my wife comes out and she says, he's your son. He's motivated by spite. <laughs> yeah, that's that's you know what? I'm going to double down on what Alex said. Without a doubt, it is it is okay to be a little bit motivated by uh, you know they, they said I couldn't do it, and by God, I'm I'm going to do this thing. I I I I am not against that. Uh, I I would hope that it's not the only reason you do something, but but it's okay to kind of let that motivate you a little bit. That's that's perfectly fine. And the other thing is, frankly, your motivation. It uh, has to come, whether it's spite or whether it's pride in one's work or whether it this is just a scratch I need to itch or this makes me feel happy. Uh, your motivation has to come from within. And I can't it, it, I can't tell you how to be motivated. I, I can't. It's impossible. I can't tell you how to be motivated any more than I can tell you how to be happy or how to be angry. I can't tell you how to be any emotion or, or, or anything that happens. You can tell me, Brad. You can tell me how to be angry. I can't tell you. I can I can tell you something that'll make you angry. <laughs> Whoa, way <hey-o. laughs> We've been doing this long enough. I know just which buttons to push. <laughs> you know, all you need to do is start complimenting me, and then I, and then I help me. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> no, but I can't tell you how to be happy, and I can't tell you how to be motivated. That's got to come from within. Do you, do, do you think, Dave? Well, uh, Oh, no, I, yes, yes, I do agree with you broadly, but I will say specifically one way that I find to get mo- it's Bradley. What's what's that? It's Bradley. <laughs> it's Bradley. Well, well Bradley. Well, <laughs> you said broadly. It's Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you jerk. Anyway, uh, the 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 one thing I would say is that sometimes it's best to go back to your roots, and what I mean by that is if if Alex is feeling like she's down this week and. Maybe, honest to God, maybe watching an episode or two or Sailor Moon will get it back. Or for me, if I'm feeling unmotivated and that I don't want to be a cartoonist, going back to the cartoonist that I read as a kid or as a young adult that fired me up about cartooning and what you could do with it and how fun it was, 
rereading that sometimes gets me motivated again. So I think that's a good a good trigger that can sometimes help. And then, frankly, uh, a, a goal list. I, I We've talked about this before, Brad, but I have a five-year, a two-year, and a six-month goal list. And it's nice to revisit that because it's kind of like um, when you when you put together a health plan, you're like, I'm going to go to the gym. And then for 30 days you go, and then the 30th day you don't go. You're mad at yourself a little bit for that 30th day. and it, or, or cartooning goals, you're mad at yourself if you don't make them. And so sometimes personal accountability can also help me stay motivated. But yes, I agree with you that whatever techniques I come up with might not translate to this questioner. So I, I can see both sides of, of answering how to stay motivated there, basically. Alex, what, 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 aside from spite, there's got to be some positive way. How do you keep yourself motivated in a positive way? Well, with my comic, I try to, I try to think of the girls like me who found some piece of media that really resonated with them and made them feel like they're seen. Right. Yeah. Like Sailor Moon did for me. So, so I suppose those, those hypothetical, uh, girls and other kids are are kind of my motivation i want to make something for them oh that's a cool idea the idea of like you're you're imagining the readers that are looking at your comic uh, and if i can make something that resonates with someone that strongly that would be amazing that's great what a great thought and then uh the the one thing brad i I forgot i wanted to come back on this but you were talking about having a quiet audience and alex you were saying to having a quiet audience um if i could split myself into two different cartoonists and one Dave was doing Sheldon and David was doing Drive, I think Dave would be jealous about how talkative Drive readers are. Mm-hmm. And David would think, what's wrong with Dave? Boy, it's getting complicated. Never mind. <laughs> uh, the, the Drive cartoonist would think, like, what's wrong with the Sheldon readers that they aren't as talkative? Because it, it's weird, but one of my audiences is really chatty and, and pings me all the time with feedback and encouragement. And Sheldon, for the most part, is pretty quiet. So Interesting. some strips, just wow. by nature of what they are, they just don't get as much feedback. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just uh, the, the nature of the comic, you know? And also, I think maybe the nature of the author a little bit, because I tend to be a little more reserved. I kind of hang back a little bit. Um, so me being a quiet person probably attracts sort of a similar vibe to me because the readers can like get that vibe from me. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't disagree with that a bit. Yeah. 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 I, I think that's, I think that's absolutely true. Like in, in some respects you get back, we've said this before, Brad, on the show, you get back what you put out. And if, if what you put out is uh, anger and spite, then a <laughs> lot of your comments coming back are going to be anger and spite. Or they just won't comment at all because they'll just leave, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, they'll walk away. Well, Brad, another thing that I want to talk about this week, and it wasn't specifically a reader question, but I think it's a fun topic for three working cartoonists, and it kind of goes along with discouragement, frankly, but it's about burnout and how, separate from how other people are um, reacting or not reacting to your cartoonists, it's basically about your own internal motivations. Mm. And um, I would like to know how both of you react or deal with burnout. And since it, Alex is our kind guest today, why don't we lead with Alex? Alex, what is what is your mind frame around burnout? How do you deal with it? How does it hit you? How do you dread it or or run from it, as, uh, as Thanos would say? Anyway, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just went through it last year. So I have lots of fresh memories and uh, mm-hmm. coping mechanisms. <laughs> the battle scars are fresh, huh? <laughs> yes, I'm still recovering, to be honest. So last year, I 
broke up with my ex. I had a failed Kickstarter and I moved back in with my parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so kind of a triple blow of like, ugh. And and all within a very short span of time, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was all within a few months. Oh. And so I didn't really take time to take care of my mental health during this too well. Um, and so last the end of last summer of 2017, um, I burnt out. I had to take like six weeks six weeks off from doing stuff for Brad. I just mm-hmm. couldn't I just couldn't do anything. It was terrible. <laughs> um and then I got some I got some help. I got a new therapist. I got some medications and all that stuff. Um, and over the last year, I've been been working on that. And um, basically, just came off of an eighteen month hiatus. So I'm kind of trying to get my train back on the track, uh, right? In right, real time, right? To kind of get back to where I was. Well, first of all, good for you for for taking care of it because um, yeah. there are <laughs> many of my relatives included uh, would would do fingers in the ear and la 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 la. And <laughs> I've always been of the opinion that uh, mental health, like if if your foot is hurting, you treat your foot, and if you're right. If if life or events or even natural serotonin levels in your brain need a little help, then get a little help. And there is zero stigma to that. And so absolutely, um, just as a culture, because we're still struggling with that, I think that just needs to be said. So good for you for for taking care of it. And thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I and I wouldn't have been able to do that without the support of my family, to be honest. So they they were a big part of it. Well, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And so now that you're now that you're finding your footing again. Is it, is it kind of, uh, like, I don't know, is there an excitement to it or is there a trepidation to it? Or what do you, what do you feel as you start back in on things? Well, it feels like it's not starting over, but it kind of feels like starting over, you know? Right. Right. Taking, you know, a year and a half off, uh, you know, didn't, didn't do me too well financially for one. Um, and so my readership definitely suffered. And do you find that even uh, your hand is has to be retrained again with like, oh, I remember how I would do this trick or this Photoshop? Uh, not so much that. Okay. Um, and in fact, I had some repetitive stress injuries that I, I've also been uh, taking care of too with my drawing hand, although I'm probably going to need some PT on it and I'll probably do that in December. Um, so basically everything in my life has been screaming at me to slow down. Mm-hmm. So I'm slowing down. <laughs> that is good. That's good. That is a that is a great thing to listen to those signs when when that happens. So that's good. You should be commended for that. And Brad, how do you deal with burnout? Where do you where does it hit you? How do you react to it? Well, I, I yeah, that's a that's a really good question because it's one of those things can, that can easily sneak up on you. Uh, I, I I haven't had to grapple with uh, a problem as serious as uh, what Alex is talking about. But I will say that one of the things that really made a big difference for me in how I address uh, this kind of stress in my life was was admitting uh, uh, certain limitations and and kind of stepping back from that uh, very macho uh, uh, image that we that that I presented 
in Web Comics Weekly, and 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 maybe we as a group did. And and again, it was a different time, and it was an advertising uh, publishing uh, stratus where you really had to go 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 go. You had to always publish another thing, and and you had to build that archive up. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and and we were all about you know get that update up, you know, five days a week, six days a week, and you got to get another one up. And and uh, uh, you know, the, the, the Brad from the past five years has been a lot more along the lines of, you know, focus, focus your efforts where they're, where they're most being rewarded and that's Patreon. And there are some things that you're, you're just gonna have to let go. There are, there are some things that aren't going to get done and things like taking a couple of weeks off in the summer where I just said, yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to post uh, a, a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, best of stuff and and post some stuff that had previously been Patreon exclusive and and use that just to kind of keep people tuned in, but not really worry so much about what's going to happen. Uh, and I'll be doing that in December as well. You know, I'm going to take a couple of weeks off in December and just enjoy the family. And I and I think you've got to give yourself the the go ahead, give yourself the okay to do a little self-care from time to time to say, okay, I I need to take a step back. The internet will still be there when you get back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be the same dumpster fire it was when you (laughs) left. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But you, but that's the, and, and also all of the relationships that you built, are, are going to be there. When Alex uh, uh, got in touch with me and she said, listen, I need to step away for a little bit. I said, I get it. That's fine. Let me know when you're ready to come back. And that, that was the, that's, and that's it. That was the end of the conversation. You, you know, yeah. I, I, I don't need to know more than that. I, 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 I to the extent that uh, unless you want to talk about it, but I, I, I'm not going to pressure you and say, well, there, you got to give me this reason, that reason. No, forget about it. <laughs> I get somebody who's saying, I need to take a step away from this thing for a little bit. Right. That's great. Right. You know, and, and, and in Alex's case, her work was so good. I was like, just let me know when you're ready to come back. <laughs> you know, that's, that's all I need to know. And I was so thrilled, uh, when, when that day did come because I, I value her work immensely. And, and a lot of the, if you are an evil ink, if you're an evil ink reader, you, uh, you, you feel the same way. I know you do. Yeah. Oh Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, Brad, to speaking on to, on to that earlier phase in our life where we treated it, and you're right to use the phrase macho. There was almost something macho about it. Like, I can, yeah. I can do anything. I can, yeah. Who cares if I'm not getting sleep? You don't need sleep. Yeah, yeah. who cares if I'm yeah. not taking care of my health? This thing needs to get done, and so by God, it's going to get done. And uh, for me, the the humbling point, the burnout came when I was a new dad, and um, my wife's career has kind of six months where things go fallow and she's very available and, and life is delightful. And then six months where literally I'm single dadding it, you know, where I, I just don't see her. She's so busy. And yeah. so, um, there, there came kind of a mental switch from frankly, a boyhood Dave of like, I can do anything. I don't need to sleep. I don't need to, <laughs> I don't need to eat. I don't need to go to the gym. I can, I can just, uh, I'm, uh, I'm a machine of cartooning <laughs> to, uh, a, a, a person in their 30s who was more of all I can do is all I can do and that's okay 
And yeah. uh, that uh, that sounds like it was an easy switch, but for me, it was really hard. And frankly, it took burnout where nothing was being created for me to go, well, at least try to do one this week while you're taking care of the kids, or at least try to do yeah. you know, yeah, something. Exactly. And, then it, and it's a resetting of expectations and frankly, being kinder to myself because um, I had set such a goal since I was a kid of like, I'm going to be a cartoonist, blah, 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 that once I started to get it, it, it was um, this unrelenting uh, and unforgiving state where I wouldn't listen to what my body was telling me. I wouldn't listen to what my mind was telling me that I needed to sleep or I needed to eat or I needed to be social because by God, I was going to be a cartoonist. Um, mm-hmm. And the counter argument is, well, then you got a cartooning career. Yeah, true. But it took basically a, a stage of burnout as a new dad were getting zero sleep on someone else's schedule who's tiny and and saying, OK, all I can do is all I can do. And that's OK. Um, so that was yeah. that was my burnout. Yeah, I basically went through the same journey because the pace that I was working at before, um, you know, before the breakup and the move and all that other stuff was not sustainable. And regardless of whether all that stuff happened or not, I was probably heading for burnout in any case. Right, right. God, the phrase not sustainable is super true, Alex. Yeah, you're right. It's like yeah. uh, when you're in it, you're like, I can keep this going. I was trying to do three full comic pages a week. Oh, Ooh. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, <laughs> Monday, Wednesday, Friday. What are you, a Marvel artist in the 70s? What's going on? Monday, there? Wednesday, Friday, <laughs> Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Brad. I need to be a webcomic artist. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you know what I'm sitting here thinking, uh, listening to the three of us is that we might need it, it, part of this might be that what we are identifying as burnout just might. I, I mean, OK, let me let me let me fra- let me frame this correctly. Uh, burnout might be uh, part a natural part of the creative process uh, in that you might get to that point naturally along the way. And that you, it could be a bad thing if, if like what we, what you guys were talking about, you're pushing yourself too hard, you're pushing your, your stability too hard. Uh, but on, on, on the other hand, it might just be that we need to come up with a better word for burnout so that it's not a negative thing. You know, I'm, you know what I'm trying to say here? We might need to accept that sometimes we need these periods of, uh, self-care and quiet. And that if we call it burnout, it's a failure, right? Right. It's, it's a negative thing. We might need to uh, start thinking about this in a different way so that we don't push ourselves past self-care so far. And we say, okay, I'm in uh, whatever that word is. I'm in this zone now. I need to take it easy for a little bit so you don't push it to the extent that it becomes a a health crisis. I think one helpful way to reframe it is that when we're all at our most hard charging point, when Alex was producing three full color pages a week, when I was doing Sheldon and Drive and Stripped and all the other projects I was working on at the time, when Brad was doing a bunch of stuff, was we thought of ourselves as a machine, like we're churning it out. That was sort of our mental framework. But mm-hmm. frankly, yeah. life is more like the seasons. And I know that sounds cheesy, but you can produce in spring and summer only because you had a, a quieter period in fall and winter where things kind of went fallow and recuperated, you know? Right. And so a life is more like that. You have to have to have a season of growth. You have to have a season of rest and um, it is not unnatural to say, no, I need to take a step back for a little bit, uh, and, and, and basically refire up my engines again. And so 
but I don't know what that word is yet, though. Let me, I'm, I'm trying to think as I speak of what a good metaphor that we could use instead of saying burnout. I'm trying to think of what my therapist would say. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's kind of like a fallow period, but even that sounds like it's unproducing, which is not what's happening. Like, things are quiet on the yeah. surface, but your mind is still working, your heart is still working, and your... your Hibernation, maybe? Hibernate, yeah, that's that's good. What about that uh, cocooning um, concept that you guys have talked about? Oh, with about? butterflies, yeah. yeah but like, yeah. But then, oh, that's good, because what's going on with a butterfly is it's quiet on the surface, but there's a ton of stuff going on inside. And mm -hmm. so, like, even yeah. in a period where you're reading a lot or watching a lot of media or talking with friends, you're firing back up those, or you're restocking those engines for when you do fire them back mm -hmm. up again, you know? Let me talk about this just for a second, if you'd like to, Alex, because this is something that I've never, I, I don't think we talk about enough. And that is you get to the point where you're like, okay, I, I think I need to talk to a professional. I, I, I think, I, I think I need that. Or, or I think I, I, this is something that would help. How do you find a good therapist? How do you, how do you, how do you go about, what's the nuts and bolts of just taking that step? Well, um, well, for me, when I first went back to therapy about two years ago, um, I just kind of, I was like, okay, I, I don't care. I just need to go to a therapist. It doesn't matter who it is at this point. Right. Um, and so yeah. I basically just went down the list of nearby psychologists on my um, provider's website. And I would call and leave a message. And maybe they'd call me back and say they're not ex accepting new patients or this or that. And so I just went to the first guy who actually called me back to give me an appointment. <laughs> oh, is that right? Um, hey, that's the same way I pick a contractor. I don't. It works for me. <laughs> <laughs> it worked out because we 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 luckily did have a good rapport right from the beginning. Um, I know that some people have to shop around for for a good therapist that they that they like. Um, so far, so so far, it's worked for me. <laughs> um, that's great. Yeah. Of course, that therapist was down in Columbus, where I used to live. And so I have a different therapist up here in Toledo. And so when you moved to Toledo, did that process start again? Or does the does the old therapist give you a referral to somebody? How does that work? Well, basically, I had to start over. Um, so mm -hmm. uh, up here, I went through um, a community mental health organization. And mm -hmm. uh, I got with a therapist that I was recommended to by um, uh, another family friend. Well, that's great, though, that in both places nice. you were both places. Sorry, you were able to make it work. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, and I couldn't have done any of this without the therapy. Yeah, I and I think there's uh, there's nothing wrong with that. In the same way that, like, when I had problems with my kidney, it's not like I want to fix the kidney by myself. You know, you go to you you go to a doctor right. for it. And so, and uh, I, I know I keep coming back to other physical ailments, but I think it's weird that our society puts some odd stigma on it when there's nothing to be stigmatized about that. I think it's a, a totally natural and healthy thing to seek out the help of other humans when you're in a moment, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, we still got a little bit of time, you two, and we've got another very intriguing uh, Patreon question. Would you like Let's to tackle it? it? Sure. All right. So here's one, and it's similar to one we've got in the past, but it's, it takes a little turn. So uh, don't get thrown by there. Takes a little better. turn. Dave and Brad, I've killed a man. <laughs> Plot twist. He was my <laughs> grandfather. Uh, I'm in a I'm, lot of trouble. <laughs> I'm currently setting up a weekly comic, and I'm trying to make about 10 pages before I post anything so I have a reserve. Before right. I post the actual comic, I want to do a few teaser posters with things like 
coming soon on them. About how soon before I post the actual comic should I start posting these teasers? I ask you, Alex Heberling. Um, I don't know. I'd probably do like a week or two. Mm-hmm. Like make a tweet every day. And where would you po- <laughs> and where would you post them? Stuff like that I would do on Twitter. Like to get the mm-hmm. hype up and stuff like that. David, what do you think? Yeah, I well, I would agree that Twitter or Instagram, like little quick hits would be a good one to do. But I'm going to take a little contra, I don't what's the word? Contrapositive? I don't know. I'm going to take a, a, a what, contrarian. contrarian. You're going to be a contrarian Contra- over is there? Is contrapositive a word? Did I make that up or is that a real word? I'm going to look yeah, that up later. Yeah, I think you made that up. I think I made that up. <laughs> anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like take a slightly contrarian view, which is that um, the reason that movie and large budget media put out coming soon stuff is that there's a whole network and system of theaters and distribution that are in place that need you to hit that movie right away when it first comes out or that TV show right away when it first comes out. Yes. And so coming soon's are really important for that, um, set, that system of media distribution, but comics, especially web comics are different. And so I would actually argue that coming soon doesn't gain you anything because to Brad's longstanding point, this is a marathon, not a sprint. And you don't need to hit or you don't need to be out of that gate at a thousand miles an hour. You can be out of that gate at a trot. And that's totally fine because if, if you keep in mind that it's a marathon, not a sprint, you don't need to build anticipa- anticipation for the first days or the first weeks of the comic. Frankly, you might even be wasting your time. Uh, because it's the body of work, it's the comic itself that's going to gain you an audience, not a coming soon poster. Brad Geiger, what do you think of that contrarian or contrapositive opinion, if that's a real word? <laughs> I couldn't agree with you uh, contrarily more. I I think it's a, uh, I'll go so far as I think it's a bad idea, uh, it, because it, it, think about the effect that this is going to have on social media. You're going to put up a coming, and, and, and this goes back to what we talked about just last week about uh, somebody who said, oh, I hit fool's gold because I went on social media and I had 300,000 page views but no traffic to my site. And then we come to find out that he didn't have a hyperlink back to his site. He was expecting people to uh, type in manually the URL. Uh, This is the same exact thing. In that, let's say you let's say number one, you actually succeed in coming up with a really good coming soon image that is compelling instead of confusing and really makes me want to read this thing. Uh, your best case scenario, your best case scenario is I want to read this thing and I'm and I'm thwarted because it's not there yet. And I'm disappointed in the moment. That's your best case scenario. Your worst case scenario is I click over and there's nothing there and I'm confused. Or another worst case scenario, there's no link at all. It's just coming soon. Who knows where or how? And and, and that's not how readers today in today's socially media driven Internet, that's not how they consume content anyway. They're right. They're not, they're not, nobody's bookmarking pages. Somebody just the other day said, Oh my God, evil link. I haven't read that strip in years. Ever since, uh, the, my RSS aggregator, uh, went up, uh, I don't read any web comics anymore. Hardly. Right. Uh, our, we, we need to talk about sometime how RSS really thwarted a lot of web comics reading, uh, but they don't read like they used to. It's not bookmarks. It's not RSS readers. It's not any of that stuff. 
and and so this coming soon uh, uh, type of thing is really wasted effort. I would I would put much more effort in making those ten pages killer, making sure that there's a narrative hook somewhere in the first few pages of that uh, ten pages, and making sure that this is the best ten pages, and then I would put all ten pages up in a in a block so that uh, the the, the first impulse of somebody reading your stuff, they get to that narrative hook and then they're hooked. Right. Right. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't waste time with coming soon. And, and it it was one of the first things I learned uh, in, in social media, in promoting, never promote something that's not there yet. Yeah. Because you're just (laughs) your best case scenario is people start to get excited and it's not there and people don't wait for content like they used to on the web. I don't want to know that something's coming right, next right. week. I want to have it now. But next week, the way algorithms work, next week I might not even get your message. Yeah, that's true. Well, to Alex's original point, and I think I'm I'm realizing that I'm guilty of this. With certain drive things, I have taken – I didn't draw anything special. By the way, I think that's a dumb idea. Don't draw any posters or any coming soon. Don't draw anything new. But I think if it takes you 30 seconds to generate something in Photoshop based on an existing panel from a comic that's coming next week, I think maybe you could – there's an argument to be made for that to Alex's mm-hmm. point. You could share that on Twitter and Instagram and stuff. Um, and I'm realizing that I'm saying that because I did that with some drive stuff. So I think that that's natural <laughs> and normal. <laughs> so, so since you did it, now well, it's no, okay? I, I will be honest. So here's here was my point is that if looking back on it, did that gain any additional readers or any additional interest? Probably not. But here's what it did. What I was doing was salving yeah. my own excitement for the project. And uh, if I'm honest about it, it didn't do anything to help mm. the project. It was only me going, boy, I want other people to be as excited as I am about next week. You know. <laughs> now, I'll take that and I'll throw it on its end. One thing I do do, and I recommend strongly, and it falls under this same thing, is uh, is doing previews for your Patreon backers because now they're locked into your content stream, or at least they should be, and you're and you're working to keep them locked in. And so I will post sketches of work that they're going to see in final art, but I'll put I'll, I'll put my pencils up, I'll put my sketches up. And say and group them together. I'll say, here's a few images from some commissions I'm working on. Here's a few panels from uh, an After Dark page that I'm working on. That kind of stuff is 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 future implied content, and we talked about on the show a little while ago. Uh, and that actually, Patreon has shown that that stuff keeps Patreon pledgers hanging on uh, month after month after month because they've got future right. implied value coming through. So in that respect, if you want to do that, now that's a completely different deal. Putting sketches up to say this is what's coming soon keeps those pledgers hanging on and they are um they're already locked into your content feed so you know you don't have to worry about the next one missing them. That I would say I would go uh, great guns in doing. Uh, but the other one, no, I don't have a lot of use for. Do you, do you, do you agree? I do. I, I want to ask uh, Alex a, a question in, in, related to what you the way you just described that, Brad. So because comics for Patreon, they're locked in, they're ready to go. But what about this, Alex? What if a coming soon for the one thing in comics that does have a time limit like movies and TV on it? What if for your Kickstarter you do a coming soon? Oh, absolutely. I do that. I think, yeah, especially for if this is not the question askers first project, 
I would, I would, I would say it's, it's perfectly kosher to, you know, make those kind of little promo images and coming soon to, to hype up, you know, the followers that you do have and sort right. of get that excitement going with them. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm not as, I'm not, I, I'm with Alex on that. I'm not as against the idea of uh, doing some coming soon type promotions for a Kickstarter well, and, uh, for something that has a limited time frame. That might be, that might, might be the missing component here. Yeah. And since you both were in agreement on that point, I want to point out that I see you both, both agreeing on using question asker rather than questioner. I see you both. <laughs> You two Midwesterners are, are teaming up on me and using Question Asker. I see you. You you both are being nice to I uh, I'm on to you. I don't I'm know on to you with your question this. asker. <laughs> well, Alex, one question I wanted to ask you, and we should have done this at the t- the top of the show, but how did the working relationship with you and Brad start? Uh sp- specifically, I'm sort of curious about the coloring not suitable for work comics. How did that how did that get going? well let's see um i started working for brad in 2015 Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i think yeah and so i i forget when when did you start doing the not safe for work was it 2015 or 2016 it might have been 20 oh man you know what i've got to go back and look i don't know off the top of my head now it may have been the first year because there was there was the month in august where you went down to twice a week yeah and that was around the same time you got the not safe for work stuff going, but none of that stuff ever found its way to my Dropbox, you know, inbox <laughs> for coloring. <laughs> so I'm looking over there at Brad, no. like, hmm, what's uh, what's he doing over there with colors for that stuff? Hmm, oh, I was trying. I was I was so embarrassed, and I was trying to color that stuff myself, and. I was horrible at it. Yeah, and I'm looking back. Alex, you had to have joined me earlier than 20, uh, 2016 because uh, I started Not Safe for Work in 2015, and you had been with me for a while at that okay, point. Okay, yeah, so it was the first year. But I'm sort of yeah. curious about the specific conversation of how two Midwesterners navigated around the idea that <laughs> sex exists. I just want to know how did that how did, <laughs> Go ahead, well, Alex. Brad, <laughs> give, give, give him the true story. <laughs> well, unlike Brad, I'm not an ex-Catholic or, you know, anything like that. So I don't have quite as many hang-ups. Um, but uh, the phone call, or wait, it started with like a text. Like, so, uh, so Brad, who you, how you, how you, how you coloring that, that stuff that you're doing for Patreon? What's, what's going on with that? And he's like, okay, do you have time for phone calls? And Brad immediately blushing, <laughs> immediately blushing on the other end of the fo- that text. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh! I think oh. I think what I asked was, uh, when do you think we're going to go back to five days a week? Yeah, because uh, it had just been you know twice a week for for about a month, and I'm like, hey, I, I, I'm making less money now. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you weren't you weren't overt about it, but I but but meanwhile, because I, I you never said you know well uh, you know what's going on with After Dark, but I do remember you talking about schedule, and I had been coloring After Dark on my own and doing it horribly just not just just failing miserably and 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 not enjoying <laughs> it and and taking too much time uh out of my schedule you know is i i re- i realized very quickly i could be doing more work if i wasn't coloring this stuff but but the very idea of asking uh 
I, and I'm sorry, this, <laughs> this shows how old fashioned I am. Asking a woman to color uh, this kind of stuff, just I couldn't bring myself to do it. I wanted to do it in the worst way. I couldn't bring myself to do it. And then she opened the door. Right, so, so then we had a phone now call. Now, five minutes in, we finally get the story. How did this phone call go down? Let me tell you, Dave. Let me tell you. <laughs> It was the most gentlemanly phone call I think I've ever received. Dear madam. <laughs> there was a lot of that thing that Brad does like. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know. I, I might have had a script oh, written down in front of me. Brad, this is like 14-year-old Brad about to call a girl to ask her on a date. Just like has all the pre-scripted responses written on a, on a notepad. Oh, Brad. Yes. Oh, yes. Brad. Oh, my heart. Oh, I, and I was so, I, and, and the same 15-year, the same feeling of the 15-year-old Brad because I was absolutely certain that I would not only get rejected, but rejected in a horrified way. Like, I can't even believe you're asking me to go to the prom. <laughs> So yeah, you know, we we did talk about it and we agreed to like a rate and stuff like that. And um so then he started sending me uh the naked people to come. The naked people. <laughs> oh. oh. And then I get that first comic and it's just head and shoulders above uh, ever, anything I've ever done. And, and the Patreon backers went nuts over it. It was just, it was <laughs> glorious. <laughs> I she did a wonderful job and has ever since. I do wish I could see um, patron comments on the After Dark stuff. That's unfortunate. Yeah, we got to get away. I, 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 we're going to, Dave and I are going to Patreon in a few days. And I want to ask about uh, getting like an admin set up so you could have uh, yeah, a view at yeah. that, like an admin level. Well, there is not to jump uh, topics, but last year at the Patreon that I went to, that was a big topic for a lot of people that have one, two, three, four employees. It's like, hey, I need my employees to be able to do shipping, or hey, I need my employees to be able to answer as though they're me, or hey, I need, you know, my employees yeah. to comment as though they're me. We need an administrative login or something. And so I know that they're working on that. So yeah, we can definitely follow up on how to get Alex uh, the ability to log in without 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 paying Brad ten dollars a month. Right, 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 right. <laughs> That's oh, right. I have to tell you both though, I would pay good money to hear that phone conversation with Brad Fumpering. I that would be oh chef's kiss. Oh. That would be amazing. It was precious. It was precious. <laughs> Dave, you know how like your face gets hot because you can you're blushing so hard and you can feel the heat radiating radiating off of it. I'm pacing back and forth in my studio as I'm talking and stuttering up a storm because, like, like I said, I'm, I'm just certain that I'm going to be offensive. It was it was it was horrible. And on the other end, Alex is going, "Oh, this poor man with Tourette's. What is he's, he, he just, he, <laughs> It's okay, Brad. It's okay." Yeah, yeah, and, and, and it was, yeah, it's, <laughs> you You can tell, listen, I, 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 there's, there's very few people that I trust as much as I trust Alex Everling, <laughs> because, you know, she could very easily, uh, she could say, oh my God, you're, you're a horrible person. And I would hear that and just <laughs> crumble. <laughs> so she, she holds my ego in her hand, uh, every week, week in and week out. I've never had this much power before. You can crush him. I'm like that somebody on Street Fighter 2. Crush him! Oh, my goodness, yes. Finish him. Oh, yeah, not Street Fighter 2. What game am I thinking of? Uh, What was that old game in the 90s? Mortal Kombat. There you go. Mortal Kombat, yeah. You can yank uh, Brad's spine out. There you go. 
<laughs> well, that sounds like a fantastic time for me to say this. You've been listening to Comic Lab, the show about making comics and making a living from comics. Your hosts have been the ever-delightful Brad Geiger, the editor of webcomics.com and the cartoonist of Evil Inc. at evil-comic.com. And Dave Kellett, co-director of Stripped and cartoonist of Sheldon at SheldonComics.com and Drive at DriveComic.com, along with our special guest, cartoonist extraordinaire and Evil Inc. colorist Alex Heberling. You can check out Alex's work at AlexHeberling.com. Be sure to read the hues. It is fantastic. And, of course, the Comic Lab theme song is used with permission from Andy Creighton at theworldrecord.net. And this episode was edited by Matt Woodard of Woodsong Productions at www.woodsong.media. Comic Lab is made possible by your support on patreon.com slash comic lab. So we'll go ahead and say that twice. Patreon.com slash comic lab. So then he started sending me uh, the naked people to color. The naked people.